You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and my guest today is John Wineland. John is making an impact in the relationship space. He has been trained by David Data, who is uh, the author of The Way the Superior Man, but John has really made his own uh, mark in the world. He travels the world teaching men and women uh, intimacy, sexual polarity, masculine essence, masculine presence. Um, he is a guide in uh, a lot of respects to help people better understand how they can elevate their relating and communication, etc. Um, John is very interesting to me because he's very different than some of the other guests I've had on this program where we talk about relationships. And this is all of this is very important in my mind because if you look at a lot of what's going on in society today at a macro level, um, a lot of the problems that we're having on that macro level can be boiled down to some of the problems that we're having on a very individual level. And so the work that John is doing, I find to be very important and in a lot of respects, very profound on an individual spiritual journey, if you will, but uh, on a more practical level, very profound and important because uh, the better that we can relate on an individual level the more that that has an impact and uh, uh, reverberation in our communities, in our families, and ultimately that then becomes the macro, right? And if we can relate better and uh, appreciate and respect each other uh, more and more on individual levels, I believe that that can actually you know, heal and, and uplift society. So again, the work I think is very important and uh, I'm excited to share him with you. He, uh, as I mentioned, has different approach than some of the other guests I've had. Um, and I like the, I like the variety of looking at how do we relate from different perspectives, different angles. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this call. There's a lot of really good stuff in here. Um, John is a very accomplished speaker. As I mentioned, he's, uh, real quick to let you know, he's been, uh, published in the elephant journal, good men project, uh, Zen habits, man talks. He's been a sought after speaker, in a lot of these different platforms, uh, and does trainings all over the world, as I mentioned. So, uh, a very, um, established speaker and trainer in that regard. So with that, let's dive into the call. Here I am with John Wineland. All right. I'm here with, uh, John Wineland. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Great, Peter. Glad to be here. Yeah. You, I've been, um, watching your videos for a number of years now and, you are probably one of the select few, you could probably count on one hand, that can communicate both to men and women in ways that they both can hear you, <laughs> which, which is fairly rare in today's uh, society. And relationships is such a key integral part to people's lives. It tends to be the source of the greatest joy and the greatest pain. And so Absolutely. Uh, there's, a, there's, in my mind, I'd be curious to hear what you think, but in my mind, there's a real epidemic in dysfunctional relationships, and it tends to stem from a lack of understanding what what our roles are and how how things are evolving and how do we relate today. So I'm really excited to talk to you and dive into that. But for those sure. that don't know who you are, could you give a brief background about your your track record and your credentials? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why should we uh, listen to you, John? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good question. But I um. I've been teaching, uh, I guess, what you would call spiritual intimacy and masculine and feminine uh, embodiment practice for 10 years. Um, and I've been leading men's groups for 20 years. And so I've, I've, my specialty has really been to work 
specifically with men in the realm of leadership and uh, embodiment and development, and then also to work with men and women in the realm of um, intimacy and sexuality. So I tend to run two kinds of workshops. One is co-ed, where we work a lot with intimacy and communication and sexuality. And then I work a lot with men on leadership, embodiment, uh, masculine spiritual practice, etc. And uh, you know, so I, I, I've, I've, uh, I love my job. <laughs> I love what I get to do. And uh, and that, that pretty much gives you a, a. It's hard to explain what I do. I always run into this thing like, how do you, would you describe what happens in a workshop? It's a hard thing to explain. It's kind of a combination between uh, personal development work. Uh, yogic practice, meditation, performance art, and, uh, you know, uh, I guess yogic sexuality if you're in a, in a co-ed workshop. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at the root of all that, what comes to mind is transformation. And you're talking to people who are, who are in one shape or another having difficulty, having challenge, have, or extreme, experiencing extreme pain in relationships and wanting to better understand what relationships have to offer. Is that accurate? Well, in the co-ed work, there's a lot of stuff. I wouldn't all say that they're all in extreme pain. A lot of them just want to love more. Hmm. I think most people are in this state where they realize that there's so much more of them to give than they normally show up with. And, and so most of the people that come to my work are kind of dogged by that, that knowing that, hey, man, there's so much more that I could be so I could be loving so much deeper. Mm-hmm. I could be showing up so much more powerfully. I could be leading my relationship so much better. I could be giving my partner so much more energy. And, and I think most people understand that and they don't really, nobody's really taught us until my teacher came along a few years ago, 20 years ago and started teaching this stuff. Nobody really taught us that we could actually amp up these things. We could amp up the way that we lead. We could amp up the way that we, that we show up in sex, we could amp up those masculine and feminine energies that we all have to create more artful relating. And so most of the people that come to me for the relationship work tend to come from that realm. Most of the men that come to me are coming because they want to live their purpose more fully and more deeply, and they want to understand and impact the feminine in their lives more powerfully. So that, that, that kind of gives you an idea of who, who I end up working with. Yes. Um, let's go down that path for a little bit w- with respect to the men, because I feel like, um, how would you, what would you say is the status of men today in our society? Um, <clears throat> many of them are disembodied. I'd say 80 to 90% of them are living in their heads. I guess that would be another way to put disembodied. And when I say disembodied, what I mean is that their awareness you know, we all have awareness, right? Like you're aware there's a brick wall behind you. You're aware I'm talking, right? You're aware, right? The, our awareness uh, tends to be placed someplace. We can place it multiple places, but for most men, their awareness is placed on their thoughts 90% of the time, not on their body, not on their hearts, not on their guts, not on, you know, not on literally what it means to be in your body. And so they occur both to women and to the world as less trustable because they're less solid. And the reason they're less solid is because their energy and their awareness is living in their head. They're not breathing deeply. 
they're making sense. You know what I mean? Like they're not, yeah. And that's really when I talk about embodiment, it's there's a process of changing the way that men kind of occur in the world. Do they occur from their gut or do they occur from their head or do they occur from their heart? Or hopefully like the best combination is some combination of heart and gut. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they do, their relationships are better. Their sex is better. People give them more money. It's, it's really true. Like people will give more money to people that they trust. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of the way that it ends up. That's what I'm seeing a lot in men is that they are starting to wake up to the fact that, hey, like I'm either numbing out to video games or porn or work and I'm in my head all the time. Um, and I just, I, I, I get a sense that there's more, there's more to it. There's more to being a man at this point. There's more to masculinity. There's more to leadership than I'm, than I'm experiencing. Why do you think we're at where we're at right now? Habits, you know, a lot of habits. Uh, I think that over the course of technological development, it's just kind of dragged us more and more into the distraction of social media, of of the internet, of being online, right? We used to, you know, 200 years ago, you were probably on the land somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. You know, taking care, you're on on the farm, you're out in nature, right? That tends to have you more connected to the earth, more connected to your body. And over the course of the last hundred or so years, we've transitioned, you know, first into an industrial, you know, uh, assembly line kind of thing, and now to a technology based kind of thing. And it's just elevated our awareness up and up and up. And it's deeply impacting our relationships, our sex, you know, obviously love happens through the body. Right. I mean, you can think about love, but for love to be fully experienced by two people or just by you in a meadow, <laughs> it happens through the body. So Yeah. That's a really fascinating perspective because um, you're right. Most of us are now sitting behind computers, sitting at a desk. We're not necessarily out sweating, getting dirt under our nails. And obviously that's still happening, but certainly not to the degree that it was before. Um, You talked a second ago about men desiring to live more fully in their purpose. How how do men discover their purpose? How do, and then how do they live more fully into that? What does that mean? Well, I think that one of the, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're aware the massive, you know, the suicide rates are up for men, especially white men, violence, a lot more violence by white men. I mean, most of the gun violence we're seeing perpetrated is white men. Um, So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of men who are coming out of either white collar jobs because they're disappearing, right? Or coming out of of, um, you know, not, aren't really in the technology realm. And they're wondering what, where, where their value is. Like, what's my value in the world if I'm not a provider and I'm not producing something on the earth, right? Um, what's my value as a man? And, and so I think on two levels, the question of purpose is, what's my value of just being a human being, a, a male, you know, most men are masculine oriented human being on the planet above and beyond what I do for a living, right? And so that's one area of purpose. Um, The other area of purpose is like, what am I meant to do in this lifetime? What what is life calling for me to do? And I think the reason most men are struggling with that is because they're numb, you know, they're either distracted with social media, with technology, 
online, gaming, um, drugs and alcohol, like most guys are numb. Most guys are numb. And um, not all, not all, but I think a lot of guys live kind of numbed. And so to find your purpose requires you to do two things. One, to come more deeply into the experience of being human and being in your particular body. And what is your, what does that body mind want to give day to day? Like, I'm, it, it's kind of a statement of like, I'm here to, you know, I'm here to elevate. Like, I'm sure you started this podcast because you're here to dot, 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 right? Like you're here to elevate consciousness or mm -hmm. you're here to tap into the minds of leaders. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but you're here impact to players, yeah. impact players. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're here to do something, right? Uh, I, I'm sure that that's part of the way that you live all day long, not just the hour that you're talking to somebody, like you're constantly thinking like impact players, like how's this happening? So your reason for living is, is obvious through your body and through the way you live. Like if somebody met you, they would probably, without even knowing what you did, they'd get a sense of who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that requires you to be aligned with who you are. Which, which I'm sure you've done. So purpose then is to get aligned with who you really are. And to do that, we've got to remove distraction and we've got to listen. I mean, that's the big strokes. There's more to it, obviously, than that, but those are the two big strokes. Yeah, Kyle, I've talked to so many guys that are struggling with that sense of purpose um, and feeling like that they matter, that their uh, existence matters, et cetera. Um, yeah slopping away at work, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. What is this all for? And do you think that it's something that it, there tends to be a timeline for most men in a traditional, you know, uh, perspective where it's really not until like mid thirties, early forties, where they start to get some, a, a sense of clarity on what that even actually is. Is that, is that just coincidence, anecdotal coincidence on my part? Or is that, is there something to that? I don't think so. No, but I think there's something to it. Yeah. I think, you know, we've got to, now it doesn't have to be that way. It just, yeah. you know, most guys try everything. <laughs> most guys in their thirties have had some level of success, right? Most of the guys I work with are super successful and still are not living their deepest purpose, right? So they set a goal. They, they started a company they're filmmakers or they're actors or, you know what I mean? They're, they're writers and they've done the thing that they thought if they did, they would be happy. And yet it's done. It's a bestseller or it's a hit movie and they're still going, what the fuck? Like that didn't fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's normally happened to guys in their thirties, early thirties, mid thirties, maybe early forties. And they're realizing like, wow, all of this stuff that society's told me to do the success that I'm supposed to have, um, mm -hmm the freedom that would come when I hit that success is a myth. And so what's deeper, what's deeper. And, and I think that's where a lot of guys get around their forties, early forties. That was certainly the case with me, man. I mean, this is my third career and uh, you know, hopefully my last, but I love it. And uh, I didn't get to it till I was 40. So, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things where I think, yeah, guys are having a harder time. Now my job is to teach men that they don't have to wait. You know, they can start asking these questions in their late twenties. And I have a lot of guys in my programs who are late twenties, early thirties. So yeah, I think it's shifting. And I think guys are, are asking themselves the important questions now.
Yeah, that's interesting. I, one of the things I talked to my son about, who he's 11, and uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Alison Armstrong, and much. yeah, her work. Uh, she she talks about the different stages of masculinity from page to knight, prince to king, and it's a great like roadmap I found. And that knight energy is to to go out and conquer, to slay the dragon, to win the beautiful maiden, to go fight. You know, in my mind, it's to go out and find out just who the fuck you are. What are you yeah, made right. of? Uh, where are your limits? And, and it's a little self-serving, but, uh, but in a meaningful spiritual way, it's like, let me shore up my own sense of self so that I can then move forward and, and pay that forward. And I find that, and she talks about this often too, where that energy tends to run out. It, it starts to get boring once you've made the money or you've done this, or like you said, you achieve all those things and you go, and you still feel a little empty and you're like, oh man, what am I missing? And that tends to be in the mid thirties, I think for traditionally for most guys uh, yeah. moving into forties and it's like, all right, well, let me look outside of myself and find a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose. So I wonder if that, yeah. that tends to. Overlap. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that we go from self-serving to serving others to serving the divine, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like, God, mm -hmm. serving God, whatever you consider God, right. Mm -hmm. uh, meaning to serve love or to serve consciousness or to serve arts or to serve like, what's the thing that's my unique art coming through me. And for me, I'm very clear. It's men's work and then it's men's work and the, and teaching people to love more fully. Mm -hmm. That's the art that I'm here to make for the rest of my life until I decide until it either dies away and I get another purpose to so the way that my teacher likes to talk about it. And I don't know, maybe Justin talked about David too, but David, David wrote a book called The Way of the Superior Man, and he talked a lot about this idea of finding purpose and, and, and clarifying your purpose and what it takes to clarify your purpose. And I think it's a great read for, your, for any of your, your, your masculine-oriented readers, yeah. But, you know, this question of purpose, I, I, the way I've described it is that I think that most guys are, are operating from a myth, and that myth is, I'll be free when. Mm-hmm. I'll be free when I make this much money. I'll be free when I finish this great book. I'll be free when I launch this podcast and it hits, a, you know, 10 million subscribers or whatever. I'll be free when, and, and we're constantly, at least the masculine, constantly looking for freedom. Like I'll be free when I'm financially secure, when I have this kind of sex, when my partner's happy with me, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. I'll be free. And we realize at some point that we're, that that's all a myth and that the only true freedom happens in the present moment recognition of consciousness and love. And that's the real, you know, if I, if I, I hope I'm not scaring any of your listeners here, but the, oh, that's the true deep, freedom, <laughs> true, no, yeah. but the true freedom is in the moment, man. There's no freedom that we can achieve by now we'll chase vacations. Like, you know, I'm sure you've had the experience of going on a great vacation that you thought would just be like, then I'll feel totally free. Right. And it was good, but it didn't really fix the thing, did it? Yeah. yeah you're like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. So this thing of this dr being driven by freedom is so pernicious, I think, in the masculine. And for the most part, they tend to look, they tend to look in the wrong places. They tend to look, you know, at sporting events or TV or, you know, drugs. Ayahuasca is a perfect example of, guys looking for freedom. Not that, you know, I have no, no problem with it, except as long as you know. Um, so I, my, what I'm trying to teach men is to rather than seek freedom outside yourself, find freedom within yourself. And then from there, decide what you need to do. Mm. 
what is it what does that actually look like can you give a practical example of a client perhaps yeah yeah so uh, let's say you and i were doing a session i would i would have you you know i'd have you get in get in touch with your breath i'd have you really feel bring your awareness to your body and then i would have you start to feel into the part of yourself that has always been there like the part of you before you had a name and I'd have you sense that part of yourself that is going to be there. It's the same you when you were five as when you're going to be 80. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. Just, a, just and, a deep sense of knowing, would you say? Well, like, like the part of you, there's, there's two, there's two parts of every human being. Uh, there's the part of you that's never changed, right? There was you, there was Peter before Peter actually had a name, like in inception, Mm-hmm. Right? And there was you right mm-hmm. before you even had it before you even were named Peter. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like the, the center of you, the core of you, the unchanging piece in you. That is what, uh, that is what uh, my teacher calls the masculine in all of us, the unchanging constant consciousness. Right? So I would have you get in touch with that part of yourself that is consciousness. And I would have you feel it as deeply as possible, both within and without, and just rest in that knowing that you are consciousness. And when you rest in that knowing, you don't really need to do anything, if you know what I mean. Like there's nothing that needs to happen. I do, I do know what you mean, I, cause I, but I've done a lot of personal development work and I've right. uh, experienced some, you know, uh, a lot of these things that happen in these workshops can be really hard to explain, especially over a podcast. And then especially over to a podcast where people may not have any access to that or any experience with that. So um, it's possible to lose some people in that regard. But uh, yes, I do understand what you're talking about in terms of uh, the unchanging consciousness of the masculine divine. It's, it's heavy stuff or it's deep and, and extremely significant. Well, it's Um, what all the Buddhist monks are doing up in the hills of Tibet. You know what I mean? Like the reason why, you know, the reason why masculine spiritual practitioners for the, for history right now, there's some women that are doing it, but mainly it's been men. The reason why they went up into caves to, to contemplate the infinite, <laughs> let's just call it the infinite. Right? So if I just said to you, I said, you know, feel, feel the infinite as you die, right? As, imagine yourself dying in this moment and dissolving into the infinite. Mm-hmm. There's a certain piece of freedom in that, isn't there? Like, can Mm -hmm. you feel a little sense of freedom? Well, that's a meditative practice that can be developed. And the more that we develop that as men, that acknowledgement of the infinite versus, so we were talking about awareness earlier on. Our awareness can be just on this conversation you and I are having, right? I hear you, you hear me, but we could also be doing that and feeling the infinite. Cosmos is infinite right? The, the universe is continually expanding. We could be doing that. Mm-hmm. And the more that the masculine, the more that men do that, the more a sense of freedom, of true freedom, they, a freedom that they can control. Like you can't control whether your podcast hits 10 million listeners, but you can, you can impact it, but you can't control it. But you can control where you put your awareness. And that to me is a, is the key shift in people. One of the things that um, your teacher mentions, David data, uh, 
in that book, Way of the Superior Man, is that men find bliss in emptiness. And I, uh, to me, it's, it's such a profound statement and it was such an eye-opener for me. And then it became so obvious. Um, and you can look to the biology of men and women and see how men find bliss in, in the emptiness. You know, if you look at the biology, post-ejaculation, post-orgasm, that's when men are most happy. And I think for most guys, they can understand, oh, I know what consciousness means there. I know what nothingness and, and beyond death too. But I, to me, that's such an interesting concept that I don't know that most women relate to or understand or, or fully appreciate is this idea of death. Men tend to relate to death in a, like almost a beautiful way. Like we're looking to die in this like, glor- like leave it all on the bla- battlefield, blood, guts, like <laughs> right. just pour it all out. And right. I think that women sometimes have a hard time connecting with that. Like, Oh, it seems violent or whatever, but it's a beautiful yeah. thing for a guy <laughs> as they should. Right. I mean, yeah. they're all about life, the feminine, not just women, but you know, the feminine and men too. The part of us that's all about life. That's all about more. That's all about color. That's all about puppies. It's all about children. It's all, you know what I mean? Like we all have it, but the part of us that wants that is our feminine and the part of us that wants to have nothing, like be on a boat on a lake with nothing, right? Like, you know, if you don't understand the idea of consciousness, nature is a perfect, you know, in, in the woods, in a silent place where you can feel the divine, you can feel God, you can feel the beauty of nature. Mm-hmm. The masculine is at home there. And, and we don't actually need to travel someplace. I, I think what's happening now is that, men are being called to uh, deepen their awareness so that they're not just aware, like the leaders of today and the leaders of the future are going to really be, at least for men, are going to be men whose awareness is deeper. Like I'm, I'm aware of something deeper than just what I want and what's distracting me in this moment. I'm aware of a pulse of life that's coming through me. I'm aware of, of, the divine in all moments. I'm aware of my breath, for Christ's sake. I'm aware of the earth. Like I can literally feel like there's so many places we could train our awareness to be, to live. And yet most of most men that I know, most humans I know, their awareness is on their phone, their awareness is on their whatever the next thing they've got to do. And and it just it it we don't recognize the impact that has on our lives. It has massive impact on our lives. And I'll tell you, since I started doing this work, the level of success, just monetarily, opportunities, personal fulfillment. Since once I started to recognize this stuff and I started to practice it, fuck man, my whole life blew up. Wow. I went from In what way, yeah. life, I'm making more money than I've ever made, being, having more opportunity, having better sex, having more, um, you know, just more fulfilled in my work, more people trusting me. It just really, I mean, guys will ask me like, okay, what's the strategy for my business? I'm like, deepen motherfucker, like get deep and people will want to give you money. Deepen, you know, like land, get solid and people will trust you. Yeah, which is why your work is so important because you can't read a book and deepen. Like you got to go do it. You got to experience it. It's helpful to have somebody to go, no, you're faking it right now. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go, take a deep not, breath. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, we can tell. Like that, this is why I love men's groups. This is why I love men's groups, man. Because, and I, Justin and I were in a men's group together for a few years. But the reason I love men's group is because you get a group of men together 
And you can tell when your guy is like living in his head. You can tell when he's full of shit. You can tell when he's not, you know, owning the deepest truth in his heart. Mm-hmm. You can tell. And so that's why I, I, you know, my big goal is to have a thousand, you know, help start a thousand men's groups around the world. And, you know, we're off to a decent start, but that's why, because oh, that's, cool, that's how, yeah, that's how consciousness really raises on the planet. Um, I watched a video of yours uh, not too long ago and you started off by saying, you know, there's so many articles and videos about what women want and how men can better fit into their mold and attract them and be what they're looking for. And then you had the audacity to suggest that there are things that men want too. And you, you went into it and it was so profound and so deep. And it's a message that I don't think many women hear. And it was so helpful. I think to give some guidance to women, you know, but also as a man to better understand what your truest nature is actually needing. Do you recall some of those things offhand? Um, what it is that men want? What do men crave? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's basically my whole, you know, what I end up talking about most. I didn't of want to day. put you too much on the spot. I want to give you a little wiggle room. In case yeah. 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 No, no, it's, it hasn't changed. It's relatively universal. Okay, it hasn't changed since what, five years ago, four years ago when I gave that talk. Um, yeah, men, men crave energy. So what the masculine craves energy, right? There's some men that are feminine identified. There's some women that are masculine identified. So I'm, I'm going to say men, but really what I'm talking about here is the masculine. What the masculine craves is because the masculine's really identified with the emptiness, with nothingness. What's more enjoyable or blissful than nothing is the purest forms of energy, love, devotion, sex, sexual energy, um, sweetness, playfulness, like the kinds of energy that make us happy to be alive, right? So uh, men crave energy. And, um, and you'll notice that the women who get the most attention are the women who have the purest relationship to energy. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to any country song. <laughs> and the dude is talking about her energy. <laughs> he doesn't know it. Right. He doesn't. But he's talking about barefoot dancing on the, you know, on the in the back of a truck, listening to music. You know, he's talking about her energy. And so men crave energy and um, and and not not just all, you know, good energies, but we crave we crave like, you know, vulnerability and darker energies and true grief and true anger. But we crave all kinds of energies. That's that's a big piece of it. Um, you know, there's, there's more to it. You know, men, men need space to men crave, I'll say this, and then I know you might have something to add, but men crave partners that not only nourish them with their energy, but also bless their purpose. Right. So like, you know, bless, you know, that really like, you know, bless my, like, I need a partner who blesses that I work a lot. And that I give a lot and that sometimes I'll come home and I'm just like dragging myself because I've been teaching a hundred people, you know, how to open for a weekend. And I need a partner who blesses that. Mm. So, so those two things I think are really important message for your, your listeners, your feminine listeners, if they want to improve their relationship with the masculine. Well, I see a lot of very successful, strong, uh, intelligent women and they are very much in a masculine energy and then they're going 
what, you know, guys are too intimidated by me. They're too intimidated by my success. They're too intimidated by this, that, or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can just tell looking at their pictures that they're rigid, that they are, uh, that they're not in their bodies and God, it's not attractive. God bless no, it's and not attractive. Yeah. Not, not attractive to the masculine. I, I tell women in that regard, I say, look, men respect that. I'll respect a woman who will go to battle next to me and we're shooting at the same target. But as far as a sexual intimacy, there's got to be that polarity there. And I feel like a lot of women have lost that connection to their bodies. Um, yeah. Is that some of the stuff that you I do? in the? That. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a lot of what I do in the co-ed problem is in the co-ed uh, workshop is, is work with that problem. And, and, um, and, you know, you God bless them, the, the, you know, the women, the generation or two generations of women now that have grown up since the 70s have been taught, get more masculine. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the byproduct, the unforeseen byproduct of uh, post-feminism and feminism. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, the men have the power, get more masculine, and we'll have the more power. Well, the new wave of, of feminism is going to celebrate the feminine right? Which is different and it's happening. And I know some women, Angel, L- London Angel Winters, who's, you know, Justin's partner. Mm-hmm. She's from St. Louis, by the way, too. You should have her on if you haven't. Um, she's a great, she's a great teacher in that. A lot of great uh, teachers, uh, women's teachers are, are teaching women to celebrate the power of the feminine. And, um, and so, you know, there's a relearning that I think a lot of women are, ha- powerful women, successful women, are having to understand because if they're holding the masculine, they're going to attract men, masculine partners who are much, who don't know what to do, (laughs) don't know how to lead, Mm -hmm. who flow, right? And they're going to be pissed because they're like, wait a minute, in in their essence, they want these guys to step up, but in their way of being, the shell that they've created, they're, they're presenting as masculine when they're really not. Yeah. What I find is that there will be an initial attraction because she's so in her head, in her business, kicking ass at work. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden here comes this guy and he's lit up and he's fun and he's hilarious. And there's that natural initial attraction, but over time it tends to, like, can't you, you know, I'm doing all this stuff at work and and I still got to plan our date and I need you to leave. And then it just kind of falls apart. (laughs) Totally. Your name, you're nailing it, man. That's exactly the dynamic that I hear all the time. Yeah. Yeah, Like I've got to work. I've got to work. And I, you know, when I come home, I want him to like lead me. I want him. Now, a lot of those women, a lot of women that I work with are terrified of actually relinquishing leadership. Yes. And that's a whole other thing for them to work on. And I, I work with women a lot on that about really trusting, like find a good man and then let him lead. Even, even if he leads badly for a little while, <laughs> mm. let him lead. And, um, you know, it's true. Women are actually more capable in a lot of ways than men, but they cannot lead themselves deep into their own hearts the way that a way that a masculine partner can do that. Mm. So our value in relationship, our value as men is our capacity to bring depth and consciousness and presence and lead them from there into the deepest place of their hearts. Mm. They cannot, that's the one thing they cannot do on their own. They can have babies, they can make money, they can, you know, plan and schedule better than a lot of us, (laughs) but they can't do that. And that's a real value. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, You had mentioned at one point that 
the masculine role is what was it time and space uh, well, masculine gift yeah one of the masculine gifts is to be the master of time and space yeah that actually comes from David. yeah yeah and that the feminine gift is energy energy yeah yeah what is that what is it give, give us a practical example of what that looks like okay so let's say i'm planning a sex date with my partner right and i'm like okay like nine o'clock we're meeting in the bedroom i uh, you know, I'm in charge of setting up that space. So if I say, hey, baby, like, um, I'm going to be back at 830. I'm going to take a shower, put the kids to bed, meet me in the bedroom at nine o'clock. Okay. I've created a container for us to have sex, right? For us to come together, right? You know, this is a common complaint in relationships, which is why I'm using it as an example. And <clears throat> So I'm responsible. I set the time. I, I'm responsible now for making sure the space is clean, candles lit, maybe some music, like just setting this, the, the container, you know, of the space. Now, I'm not responsible for her showing up in her body or her showing up, you know, in, with the energy of love in her. You know, I'm not responsible for the energy. She brings that. She, I'm bringing the time and space and the presence and the consciousness I'm not dancing around. Like now, if, if I, if, you know what I mean? Like I'm not doing a dance. I'm not dancing for her too. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to like move my body. That, I'm not going to. That explains how I screwed up so many relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so the, you, uh, yeah, I'm not responsible for the pleasure. She's responsible for bringing the pleasure. Pleasure is a feminine energy that, that men need. So the energy is the feminine responsibility, heart openness, vulnerability, pleasure, devotion. I mean, you know, some of that the man brings, but for the most part, the, the masculine is going to bring the structure and the feminine partner is going to bring the energy. And if the moment is waning in any, in any way, if it's feeling flaccid in any way, the masculine partner can, can strengthen the structure by breathing, clarifying your awareness, clarifying your presence, and the feminine partner can amp up the energy. A sigh, a moan, a movement. Um, we don't want, you know, you, you don't want your feminine partner to be still like a mountain. Mm -hmm. Do you? No. I, I, no, you don't. No, you don't. So, but you don't want your masculine partner to be swaying in pleasure. So it's, it's, it's some of this stuff is kind of obvious, like you said, like it, it yeah. becomes really obvious but we, people just don't actually think about it. Well, and, and if they haven't experienced it or if they've um, patterned themselves in ways that are not in that traditional masculine and feminine energy, then, and that becomes their default, they can't see what they can't see. And so they, and it's hard right. for them to understand why is, why is this not working? Why is this not attracting? For those yeah. that are, that find themselves in that, uh, duller place where they've become depolarized. Uh, often, you know, this happens when couples have kids and you throw on mortgage and job responsibilities, the guy's working more at work, or maybe the yeah. woman is too. And now you've got kids and mouths to feed. And how do you find a way to recreate polarity in the practicality of life? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I, I deal with that a lot. Right. And you know, the first most important piece is that each partner has to nourish themselves, get sourced in their essence, right? So for if, let's just say, let's just pick a, let's pick a, 
a heterosexual couple where the man is masculine identified, the woman's feminine identified. And <clears throat> even though she might have masculine capacity, he might have feminine capacity, their cores are masculine and feminine. That means that he has to go take time in solitude and with other men to resource his own masculine. Now that might be meditation, could be hikes. For me, I surf, I surf and I hike. Those are the two ways that I, I get nourished, right? Um, so you have to get sourced in, in order to show up to the relationship, right? Especially with all these extra things. So you've got to prioritize and schedule nourishment. For the feminine, it might be, you know, lunches with their girlfriends or dancing or yoga or whatever nourishes their feminine, whatever nourishes their feminine. So each partner has to take responsibility for self-nourishment. And then the masculine has to amp up this creating space for intimacy, right? Taking charge of the space for intimacy. And the feminine has to amp up the energy that the pleasure, the, the, the sexual energy, the beauty, the radiance, like all of that. So when that happens and people love each other, normally intimacy just starts to, you know, it's just like you're turning up the dials. Uh, a way to look at it is if you think about a magnet, a really powerful magnet has a, has a negative and a positive pole. Well, if you turn down those poles, you turn down the amplification of those poles, the magnet's power will weaken. Mm -hmm. If you turn up individually, the, the, the amplification of each pole, the mag negative and positive pole, the magnetic pull gets stronger. And that's a really great way to understand polarity. Mm -hmm. um, you talk a lot about sexual intimacy um, give us some, give us some advanced tips on how to develop that, how to experience that. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> give us, give us the, yeah, yeah the, 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 well, I mean, we kind of been talking secret. about it, right? So, well, the secret for the secret, uh, for feminine partners is pleasure, pleasure. So the secret sauce that I, I, I talk about this a lot, the secret sauce, what men crave is that secret sauce between a vulnerable heart and pleasure in your body. So if your heart is yearning and open and vulnerable and you've got pleasure in your body, it's pretty much irresistible to someone in their masculine. True? Yes. Hard to, hard to fucking resist that. Like a woman who's weeping and filled with pleasure. It's really hard to resist. Um, so, cultivating that requires practice and you know, that's why I run workshops. <laughs> that's why I'm in business. Um, and for the masculine partner, sexual intimacy is a lot around getting into your lower body, really waking up the area below your solar plexus and down to your feet. And so sometimes there's breath work, there's yogic work, there's martial arts work, Qigong. I do a lot of Qigong. I do a lot of, uh, I work in a lot of Kung Fu martial arts to, to all based on getting me into my lower body, into my legs, into my groin, into my belly. And then I bring that embodied awareness to sex and it has a very real and immediate impact on the sex that I have. Uh, I, I know that's kind of hard to 
<laughs> to connect the two. Like how does, what, how does that connect to intimacy? But right. I guess in my mind, I'm thinking in terms of a stable base structure. Uh, and, and when you embody that through the different practices that you're talking about, how right, that right. translates into actual relating and, and intimacy. Yeah. I, that, well, I think you kind of nailed it, man. Like, yeah, having a stable base, right. You, so you want to be grounded as a, as a masculine partner, you want to be grounded. You want your legs to be filled with life and, you know, grounded, feeling the earth, feeling energy in them. You want your genitals, obviously the same thing, right. To be feeling energy, to breath. And literally one of the most underused parts of the body of a man's body sexually is your belly. Pressing your belly into the belly of a partner is incredibly uh, pleasurable for the feminine partner. Hmm. So literally, it's almost like your your penis has the, the 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 energetic area of a man's penis. I know I'm getting into it a little bit, but it's from the navel to the perineum. So we've all want we all want bigger cocks. Well, here you go. Right, it's literally <laughs> breathing into the lower abdomen and bringing breath down, and so and then and then that is what you fill her with. Mm. And it's very, it, I know it sounds kind of esoteric, but it, it's it, in a workshop, when you do this, you can see the immediate impact. Not that we're having sex in workshop. I was just going to ask. <laughs> no, no, no. But pressing a belly, like he presses his belly into her and breathes deeply into his belly and she melts. You can feel it and uh, you can see it. So, you know, lower body stuff you know, having life in your lower body, because we, when we talked about it, we talked at the beginning, we talked about how men are mainly their awareness is in their heads. Well, you bring your awareness down into your legs, into your belly, into your genitals, to your ass, to your hips, your partner is going to feel more of those parts of you. Hmm. Pretty simple, but you know, but take some work to actually do that. Right. How did you get into all this? Like what would give us a little bit of the backstory on how you yeah. Yeah. Stumbled into this <laughs> it's weird, man. I mean, well, you know, I, I, I was, I was in my thirties and I'd been in two or three back to back, really bad relationships and one bad marriage that, that really just went sideways. And I realized like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know how to make a woman happy. Mm. That was kind of where I got to. Like I, you know, my parents were divorced multiple times you know, my dad split when I was young, like nobody ever taught me this stuff. And so somebody threw a copy of the way of the superior man at me and, and I read it and I was like, wow, this is, this makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like I can actually, this makes a lot of sense. So I decided to go see David I went to a workshop and I was immediately hooked. And so I've just basically gone to every, you know, as many workshops of his as I can since then. Now I, you know, work with him pretty regularly. So it's, uh, you know, it's just been a great journey. Um, I'm teaching with him in a couple of weeks up in Colorado. So, you know, it's just been a great journey for me. Um, but it started with me working on me. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what I, I was this, uh, you know, the myth of the good husband. Like I make enough money. I'm a good father. Right? I, I support my partners, you know, I support my partner's, you know, dreams and, and her desires in life. And yet she's still not happy. 
And so I think a lot of guys are waking up to this sort of myth of the good husband thing because it's not enough now to just be a good provider to, you know, to, it's not enough. So we need to add more and women are letting us know that in no uncertain terms. Yeah. You mentioned in one of your videos, which I loved is like you said, men are just now waking up from the fa- the, the haze of guilt that um, there's been, you know, millennials of oppression that women are now empowered to speak out against. And I think a lot of men struggle with that guilt. They're, they hesitate to, to, own their own truth to, to reground themselves in their own val- sense of value and their um, place in this world because everything that they've heard growing up has been how they've failed, how they've not lived up to, you know, what women need, what minority need, minorities need if they're white male. It's like there's a, there's a, lot, of, <laughs> there's a lot of shit thrown at men yeah. today, and not just white men, but men in general. I mean, obviously in the African-American communities, there's you know, it's devastated in the inner city communities. There's lack of fathers there, a lot of crime because of that. Um, right. So we, we hear a lot of what's not working. Um, I, I think it's important too, and this is why I loved what you said, well, like what do men crave? Like what do, how do we help meet men's needs as well so that we can bring back men and give men motivation to show up and, and be inspired and to reground themselves. Um, but it, yeah. it's, in my mind, it's something where uh, we've lost our way and we're now refining it. And uh, it's this kind of work that I think is instrumental in that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So um, have you, uh, I apologize for not knowing, but have you written books? Like what what do you have if people are interested about what you do? Well, I'm writing books. I'm writing two books now. One is on masculine leadership. It's called The Art of Masculine Leadership. And one is on the co-ed work, which is almost done. Um, And that's called Sex, Love, and Yoga. So they'll be out next year, two books. But I have a lot of of stuff on my website, which is just my johnwineland.com. And I have a a virtual workshop, which takes a lot of the workshop material and puts it into an online format and a kind of like a Netflix on this stuff. So I'm talking a lot about this stuff and I give practices. And so the virtual workshop's a way to get a lot of content if it's on my website as well. Is that for co-ed or is that just men? Just both. Men? Yeah. Both. I have men, women, and, and you know, it's, 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 yeah, there's, you know, four or 500 people on it and I answer questions and I give people practices and I give them a lot of content. I film all of my workshops or at least I film myself talking in all my workshops. So there's, you know, hundred, hundred hours worth of content if you want more. Awesome. Um, You mentioned the uh, leadership in men. Give us some, what makes a good leader for men? Mm. Mm, The ability to feel the feel deeper and act from that depth. Right. Versus to act from reaction or habit. Like to really be able to feel what's what's really what's really wanting to move through this moment or this project or this book or this relationship what's wanting to move through that and and be able to feel it and then act on it who is a good example of that maybe in pop culture or something that you could point to or even a fictitious character (laughs) classic the classic ones are you know they're they're pretty good characters like um who's the one that i love there was a movie recently called The Violent Year. 
hmm. with um, Isaac, uh, Isaac, Oscar Isaac, I can't remember his name. Violent Year, Jessica Chastain was in it. It's really, but it, the guy who runs it is an entrepreneur and he's got all kinds of stuff going on and he's trying to manage his, his wife and mobsters and all kinds of things happening and he's such a great masculine archetype. Uh, another great one is, you know, um, uh, Last Mohicans is another great one. But it's hard to, I'm trying to think of really good, I mean, you know, the classics are people like Martin Luther King. Like that guy could feel that violence, he could feel deeper than what was happening, right? What was happening was that there was so much injustice and so much violence and hatred. And he could feel deeper than that and know that violence will not solve this. That's, that, that is real depth. Um, and those kinds of leaders are rare. And so he acted and he held to it. Like he held to his truth. He held to his guns, you know, to the very end. Fierce. He was fierce, fierce man, but knew what was needed and stuck with it. So I think that, you know, those, those kinds of leaders are rare. Um, we don't see a lot of them. Um, trying to think of anybody else that really stands out to me. You know, they tend to be less famous. There's a guy who runs a, runs a, he'd be great to have on your show too, if you, if you can look him up. Um, he, he runs an organization called Free Hugs. And, and literally he, he goes to rallies where African-Americans and white supremacists are ready to square off like in Virginia and, you know, in, and he'll literally be giving hugs like he, he's this big black man and he'll he like literally like will walk up to you know Ku Klux Klan members engage in talk with them and end up hugging them mm. right and it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch so he's a great example I think of somebody who's who's who feels obviously he's feeling deeper than what's the surface which is to just get stuck in the injustice and he's feeling a lack of love and then he's making a plan in fact, he's making a whole freaking movement. You can find him on Instagram, I think. I think um, I've seen some of the, his videos. Yeah. Go oh, yeah. Some of his videos. Yeah, it's, it's really moving stuff. But that's a guy who's feeling deeper than the surface and then acting from there. What would you say you've learned in your practice now that you wish you knew younger when you were younger? <laughs> if, if there was... Oh, man, I would need another hour for that, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I think that um, I think the piece about nourishment, you know, about really taking time to get nourished in the right ways, not check out. Like, there's a difference between numbing out and getting nourished, right? And so, finding ways to be nourished so that I could show up more fully for my daughter at the time and. Mm -hmm. um, and for my family and for the people I loved. Uh, how old is your daughter now? My daughter died last year. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. 21. Yeah, she's 21. She died at 21. She, she, uh, she has cystic fibrosis. And oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Um, yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, well, yeah, I have, I have a thousand more questions to ask you um, about the role of, of fathers and things like that. Do you have a, a, another few minutes? Can we talk? Cause I know we're getting a little bit close on time. Yeah. 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 Let's let's, I can, I can stay five minutes after the hour. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, yeah. How, how do you define the role of a man in a family, a father? Hmm. 
you know, it's similar to the way I've been talking about it. I think that, you know, the, the masculine gift in a family, in a relationship, um, as a parent is about, you know, bringing consciousness and depth. And so the more connected to consciousness and depth we are as men, the more we're going to ground the feminine around us. So, you know, I would go, you know, my daughter spent a third of her life in the hospital and I would go into the hospital and I would practice. I would literally meditate, breathe, do yoga so that I could be embodied consciousness when I walked into her room. And it was hard. I didn't succeed all the time. I, I lost my shit, of course. But part of what I gave her was the experience of having a ground. And so I think that a, a real important role that nobody I hear talking about for men who are fathers is to ground your children, like really ground their nervous systems, relax their nervous systems. There's so much coming at them. And, yeah. You know, and your capacity to be present, to breathe deeply, to be grounded, to be fully present, to stay in your body has a has a real impact on them and 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 your decision making as well. I, I think of all the little boys that are diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, and I'm thinking to myself, is there a father in that picture? And if so, is he grounding them? Is he giving them a, a sense of anchoring? Because yeah. I've seen it happen over and over. And it's a, it's a travesty because these young boys are doing what young boys do. And then we drug them up and it's like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating. And they're not ultimately learning what it means to, to ground and to be a grounded man, a grounded boy, you know, maturing yeah, to ground themselves. Yeah. Well, there's no rituals, you know what I mean? Like yeah. up until a couple hundred years ago, boys were given a set of rituals to become men. And that's been taken away pretty much. That's disappeared with the, you know, at least in the Western world. Um, and, and so, you know, part of what I do in men's work and part of what I think men's work is about is how do you, is training men in these rituals of training, you know, men who are often in their thirties, forties, even who never actually had the experience of an initiation of being in a, an initiation is just, facing some way of facing death, ego, ego death, mainly not real death, but ego death, facing death and staying open. And if you do it long enough and you're witnessed by other members of your community and you come through it, you've, you've actually had an initiation into manhood and that has been pretty much taken away. So that's why I think men's work again is so, so important. Oh, so it's important. vital. Yeah. What, what were some of the rituals? Do you remember? Well, I mean, if you, if there's ones that I do, I make up my own and I create my own for my men's work, but, but, you know, some that you could see like sun dancing, for example, if you, if you Lakota sun dancing, where you had literally hooks placed through your pecs and you were hung from a tree while, and you, you had to remain, so you were really facing death or you in the, in the, in the um, Amazon, you know, they have if they have uh, poisonous ants, you get it beaten by po eaten by poisonous oh, ants until ants. you, yeah, until you almost oh. die, and then you come out of it, and you're a man. I mean, you know, some of these are extreme, and I don't think they'd fit. But even things like, um, you know, even I think if it's happening now, there's it's probably happening. Um, you know, I have, I have some clients who live in St. Louis, and the, he's got boys, and he takes them hunting. So that's a kind of an initiation, right, where you have to kill and face death, and 
you know what I mean? And, 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 and so it's happening, but there's no formal structures and there's no really being witnessed going from being a boy to being a man. That's why gangs, gangs are really the way that it's happening, which is why that pull is so powerful. Yeah. Because one of the initiations for gangs is to be witnessed in a murder, hmm. to kill somebody, and then you're accepted and, or beat somebody almost to death. And then you're accepted. It's very wow. alluring. Yeah, that's intense uh, yeah. and a little fucked up. Yeah, um, totally. The, I, you know, this whole rite of passage thing, I think, is extremely important for for young men. And I did uh, I, I put together a men's retreat a few years ago because I knew this is a path uh, I wanted to pursue and better understand. And I kind of fumbled my way through it, but uh, I got something deeply meaningful out of it. Um, it was sort of co-led by myself and then also this other um, military veteran, a Green Beret. Mm. And we had some talks around, you know, fire at night and uh, me and the other guys that came to the program. And um, I asked him, I said, well, when did you know you were a man? And he's, and he thought about it for a little bit. No, no, sorry. The first question I asked, asked him was, did your father ever tell you that he was proud of you? And, or did he ever say to you, did you ever feel like you were bequeathed manhood from your own father. And uh, he kind of thought about it for a minute. He said, the first time my father ever said he was proud of me was when I became a Green Beret, when I passed the special forces uh, test. Mm -hmm. And then he thought about it for a minute. He said, but you know what? I still carried around this energy of I'm trying to prove myself to the world. And he said, it wasn't uh, this after deliberating a little bit and thinking and having some retrospection. And he finally came back and he said, you know, it wasn't until my second tour when I came back and he's like, and then like, you could see his whole body change. He goes, I know who the fuck I was. I know what the fuck I was supposed to do in this world. I could lead these men into battle. And it like, it had occurred to me how most men, even if we have a rite of passage, whatever, if there isn't that transference of energy from I'm seeking validation to, I know who I am. I know I'm imperfect. I know I have things I still need to learn yet. I'm going to own my own masculinity. I'm going to own my own sense. I'm going to validate myself is really what it comes down to. Right. That was such an eye-opener experience for me. And I, it's really what you're talking about. We've got to cultivate these, these rituals and these rites of passages again because men are suffering and the women are suffering as a byproduct of that deeply. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. You're absolutely right, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I wish we could keep talking, but I know you got to run. John, thank you so much for your time today. This has been an awesome Happy conversation. Yeah, have me on again another time. We'll we'll dive in again. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank right. you, brother. You're welcome.